welcome to Creeps and Crime Storytime. My name is Charlie. I'm Sophie. And today we are back with part two of the story of Rodney Alcala. Um, we don't have any business to take care of. No, we do not. I really hope that everyone who's listening has left us a little a little five star because that would be real the fucking nice. Is, uh, very um, if you enjoyed this episode or our telling of this story, please mm-hmm. do leave us a little rating because that would be really nice. Pretty. So we're going to get right into the story of Ronnie Alcala who is basically a huge shit stain on society. Absolutely. I will give you a quick recap because okay. it's been a minute and we covered a lot in the last episode. A minute? It's been a week. It's been a, yeah, oh, it's been a week. Horrific, terrible waiting. Yeah, so we need to know. I know sometimes we do record episodes back to back and then schedule them, but this time we actually recorded a week apart. So Sophie's been really fucking. I've impatient. actually had to wait as long as you guys have. <laughs> yeah, like for real this time, for real. For she real, has. yes. And yeah, so yeah, so quick recap. Yes. So Rodney moved around quite a bit as a child, even after his father ditched the family when he was eleven years old. Ah, uh, yes. He was a gifted student in school as he had an IQ of 135 and he went on to get a degree from the UCLA School of Fine Arts. Ooh, fun. Yeah. So when Rodney was 25 years old in 1968, that's when he committed his first known crime, the brutal and savage attempted murder of eight-year-old Tally Shapiro. Yes, little Tally. Yeah. Yeah. Tally was abducted on her way to school where she was taken back to Rodney's flat. There he raped her and beat her, attempting to kill her. A witness called the police who interrupted him and he fled, escaping to New York. I'm so glad she survived, though. While he was in New York and running from the warrant for his arrest, he changed his name to John Berger and got a job working at a children's summer camp, which just sounds terrible. Is that Berger with an E or a U? It's Berger with an E and then he changes it to Berger with a U. He got a second degree at New York University where he studied under famous child rapist director Roman Polanski and he also committed his first known murder. Cornelia Michelle Crilly was murdered by Rodney in her apartment, where she was raped and strangled with his, with her own stockings. With her his mur- stockings? <laughs> <laughs> his guy's full of secrets. <laughs> Mr. Burger. <laughs> his murder... No, her... Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. Her murder did not get solved until 2011, until a DNA evidence breakthrough happened. Wow. But we'll get to that. There's okay. a lot we're going to get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Alcala was recognised from an FBI wanted poster in the post office by one of the children at the summer camp. And the FBI promptly fucked him back off to California where he would stand <laughs> trial for the terrible things that he did to Tally Shapiro. Good. Her family should. didn't want her to testify, however, because it was fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. So Rodney only ended up getting slapped with a child molestation charge and he was out after 17 months. Which I, remember. I wasn't even around. No. In the 60s, but I'm outraged at yeah, this. It's from shameful. here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He quickly assaulted a 13-year-old after getting released and was banged up again, doing two years this time. It's disgusting. So fucking disgusting. After getting released on parole, Rodney asked his parole officer very nicely if he could go to New York for the summer to see family, <gasps> a.k.a. commit more crimes. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Have you just remembered this? Yeah, I've just yeah. remembered this. And, I and his parole to... officer said, sure, you seem like a stand-up dude. Less than a week after he got to New York, he lured a woman called Ellen Hover out by herself under the guise of taking her photographs and murdered her. She wouldn't be discovered until a year after she went missing and her death would remain unsolved for decades. Didn't she... She had a boyfriend that kept looking for her. Yeah, I think so. I think her and Cornelia both had boyfriends that mm. were fucking devastated at the time. Yeah. As she would be. And I think both of the boyfriends also fall under suspicion. Yeah, they Fell under suspicion. I said fault. That's not a fucking under word. Suspicion. Yeah, so they yeah, they were under suspicion, which is yeah, terrible. I can't imagine is. how that would feel. That must be devastating. 
He moved back to LA to escape the New York law enforcement and kept being super dodgy. He really liked the whole photographer shtick that he used on Ellen. Oh, so he yes. built himself up a photography portfolio, oh, portfolio of literally hundreds of young men mm. and women, some of them nude in sexual photographs. Mm-hmm. During this time, he murdered multiple young women, dumping their bodies around L.A. He was interviewed by both the Ellen Hover Task Force from New York and the Hillside Strangler FBI Task Forces during this period, but was never arrested for anything more than a drugs possession charge. And that's where we got up to last week. Yes. In the spring of 1978, and to the best of our knowledge, he has been a rapist and criminal for the last 10 years. He has become an absolute expert at lying to people and manipulating them, and he loves showing off his creepy stack of photos. His colleagues would later come forward and discuss how they always thought he could be a bit weird, but not quite weird enough for anyone to make any phone calls to police or put in a tip or two. Just that he was kind of a creepy guy who liked to take photos of teenagers. Yeah, I think what doesn't help is that most people watching this can think of a weird person at work. I was literally just thinking, everyone knows kind of a weirdo at work. Yeah. And it's, you kind of meet lots of people who are a bit odd and have like weird things that they do that are a little bit inappropriate, but it's like, is it inappropriate enough to do something about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, in this case, we know that it was inappropriate enough, but at the time... If you see that person every day yeah. and you think you know them, mm-hmm. it must be quite difficult to actually reach the point where you say something to someone. You take a step back and, and say And obviously really it now. was that difficult because nobody did it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, it's one of those things. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, And is. I think that's a saying for a reason. In June of 1978, a 32-year-old woman called Charlotte Lamb wasn't answering her phone calls. Oh, okay. It was... I know you looked at me then because I'm 32 and my full name is Charlotte. Yeah, it's like Charlotte Hill. <laughs> yeah, no, not me. No. It was her birthday. Oh, no. No. I'm going to make sure I know where you are on your birthday. I mean, you know where I am every day. We message each other constantly. Birthday. Especially. (laughs) So her friends and family were getting worried because she wasn't picking up the phone. Mm. Obviously in 1978, there's no texting, there's no WhatsApp, there's no little app that pings your location. Yeah. You just had to sort of, if you didn't answer a landline, you were assumed to be out somewhere. Yeah. That was it. And you go around to the house and say, hey, want to hang out? That's it. As it happened, nobody had heard from her for a few days. Really? Um, A detective went to her apartment and the building manager let him into Charlotte's apartment. Everything seemed fine. She wasn't there, but everything seemed to be in order. Everything seemed to be okay. Mm, okay. So several days later, Mm -hmm. a tenant of the apartment building found Charlotte's body on the floor of the laundry room in the basement. Ooh! Oh! Ah! You look genuinely surprised and horrified. I I, I mean, I'm surprised, but I'm also not surprised. Yeah, I mean, the reason we're talking about her is because something terrible happened, uh but... I know, but it's just to find her in the apartment building. Yeah, but not where she's supposed to be. Yeah, and not so quickly. Yeah, it took a few days, yeah. Well, I mean, by the time the police got called, she'd already been missing for a few days. Yeah. And then it was a few days after that. Exactly. When I was researching this, I was like, how come nobody used the laundry room for days? Yeah, that was something that was weird. But I mean, I guess maybe nobody needed to do laundry on those days. I don't know. To be fair, how big is a laundry room? And how many laundry rooms are there in the apartment building? I imagine it's just more than one. I don't know. I've never lived in an apartment building. Well, when I was at uni, I lived in like student accommodation, but that's kind of different. I think it wasn't like one apartment building. It was like lots of little buildings with different rooms in. Yeah. Anyway, that's not the point. Um, So this again, awful description. Mm -hmm. If you do not want to hear potentially disturbing content, please use a skip button. Mm -hmm. We don't mind. 
No, not at all. So her body was posed. She was lying on her back and her legs were spread open and her genitals faced the door. She was strangled with a shoelace around her neck that was still there. Charlotte had been violently raped and sodomized. Liver mortis was present that showed she was initially lying face down, but that she had been moved, confirming mm. police's suspicions that she'd been purposefully posed. Yeah. Do you know what liver mortis is? On just before I continue. is where they see where the blood settled on. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. Liver yeah. mortis is just another name for lividity. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, basically, if a body has what looks like bruising, it's because yes. the blood on the inside of your body has settled and pulled after death and it remains there, mm-hmm. causing a darker discoloration like a bruise. Yeah. Um, so then police can tell if a body's been moved if the blood pooling is in a certain spot, but it doesn't match the position that the body is in. Yeah, it's not going to so move again then. Exactly. So she had liver mortis showing um, on her front. Yeah. Like, so she had the, the dark discoloration on the front of her body, which showed that that was at the bottom. So she was lying on her face when she died. She was left there for long enough for the blood to pool. Mm-hmm. And then she was moved and posed on her back. Yeah. So that proved as well that um, the the person who had done this was with her for long enough for liver mortis to set in before yeah. she was moved, which is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Quite disturbing, really. Very Especially disturbing. that's where she lives. Yeah. And other people live. And they other people live there. And moment. anyone could have come in. Also, we don't know if she was killed in that room or if she was put there later. I suspect mm-hmm. that she was killed somewhere else. Yeah. Because it was just... A large room is quite public, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe not that public because nobody found her for like a week. Mm-hmm. unless she was kept somewhere for a week and then put there shortly before she was found but that's never been confirmed no. or denied okay. it could have been but yeah. we, we simply don't know, we don't know. Um, her most private body parts exposed to the open door was clearly meant to cause humiliation to Charlotte and yes. also to shock whoever came upon her mm-hmm. yeah. I teased at the end of last week that Rodney Alcala would go on to fool many more people all at once through an appearance on national TV you did how dare you I, sorry yeah. <laughs> this happened in... I need to kind of leave a bit of a cliffhanger. And a little bit. Of a, sorry. But I want... No, I mean, when I say I want it to be interesting, I'm not trivialising what happened because, of no, course, all. all of this stuff is interesting. But I still want to tell a story in an engaging way mm-hmm. that people want to hear. Yeah, so I don't want to just like charge through everything and not go into the right amount of detail yeah, it's um, also very depressing if you just charge through everything yeah if i go through it in a really boring way it'll be very you'll just be depressed so at least yeah. if i can talk about it in a way that's a little bit engaging then mm-hmm. it's more palatable i think yeah not that it's supposed to be palatable but you know what i mean i think everyone listening knows what i mean yeah you can it. sort of yeah. have a little bit of a breather mm-hmm. um so this happened in september 1968 so not mm-hmm. that long after he'd killed charlotte no he was a contestant on the popular TV game show, The Dating Game. Ooh. This appearance has become quite famous in the true crime community and has led to him being given the moniker The Dating Game Killer. Because obviously we have to give serial killers fucking nicknames. They love the Unless name. you're a massive loser like Dennis Rader and you choose one for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what a so The Dating Game is for our UK listeners, exactly the same as Blind Date, the show that Silla Black used to host. Yes. There are three women, or three men, on one side of a screen mm-hmm. and then one man or woman on the other side. The single person asks the group three questions and the contestant that gives the best answers gets revealed and wins a date with the bachelor or bachelorette. That would be way too savage to be on that show. Maybe you'd be so savage that you'd win. And I'd remain single. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. You know what, I'll take the winning. Yeah, maybe. So this particular episode had Rodney on as bachelor number one 
and the bachelorette will be asking him and two other contestants a series of questions. Mm. I'll play some of the audio for you now. It's Ooh. every bit as cheesy and cliche as you think it's going to be. God, so man. let me bring that up for you. I'm going to have to edit around this. Yeah, of course. See, bachelor number one is a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in the dark room at the age of 13, fully developed. Between takes, he might find him skydiving or motorcycling. Please welcome Rodney Alcala. did you think about that what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> what the actual fuck what banana peel me oh yeah do you want to know how i eat bananas i cut them up first <laughs> so be careful with what you say because i have my own methods another thing that i noticed is that the the host calls him rodney alcala so yeah, i think what? his name is pronounced alcala i just call him rodney alcala because I mean, that's how I did anyway. But secondly, if I've been saying his name wrong, I don't give a shit. He doesn't deserve for me to say it right. No, Fuck him. Fuck that guy. 
So the bachelorette in this episode is a nice lady named Cheryl Bradshaw. And she had absolutely no fucking idea that on the other side of the screen, she was flirting (gasps) playfully with a fully fledged serial killer. so creepy. Who was responsible for the murders of at least five women. He had raped an eight-year-old and bashed her head in. It's so grim and concerning that they didn't check any of these people's, like, potential criminal records oh, okay, or anything. Oh, into that. They just let them on. Put them on TV. Yeah. So, because the show yeah. itself is super cheesy by nature, mm. and everyone is awkward and weird, because they're <laughs> fucking on TV, <laughs> yeah, Rodney doesn't really seem more weird than anyone else. Yeah. So, if you watch, if you find footage from other episodes of The Dating Game, everyone is that fucking weird and awkward. Because yeah. it's the fucking 60s, 70s, and everyone is weird mm-hmm. because they're not used to being on TV because these are kind of like mostly normal people. Yeah. Um, so they're on TV, they're not used to it and the show by nature is kind of about being a bit cheesy and a bit playful. Yeah, being a bit vulnerable because you exactly. don't know who you're looking yeah. at. Yeah, so everyone is kind to. of weird. Mm. Um, so he doesn't really seem more weird than everyone else because quite frankly, lots of people that have done this show seem awkward and weird. No, Honestly, he quite confident. He seemed mm. very confident. If you were, I rec- I'll put a link to the to the video in the show notes so you can watch it as well as listen to it, it so you can see weird. his face and see yeah. his demeanor. Um, he seems very confident, very narcissistic. Very He's definitely full of himself. Yeah. Um, and honestly, in my opinion, if you mm-hmm. didn't know the terrible things he'd done to people, you wouldn't know from watching this. No, which is what makes it. it so disturbing. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's so confident and so nonchalant and so flirty, knowing that. He raped an eight-year-old and bashed her head in. Mm-hmm. And he has looked at women's faces as he killed them. For real. He really did those things. Mm-hmm. And then you see him happy and laughing and flirting. Yeah. And then being praised for it as exactly. well. Exactly. And it's... Sick. Hearing his confident answers and seeing the way that he smiles when he's the centre of attention is very eerie. Mm-hmm. It's a bit cheesy, but when someone smiles because they're genuinely happy, their eyes light up. That's a real thing. People yeah. smile with their eyes mm-hmm. when they're happy. And you'll see if you watch this, Rodney's eyes do not. They don't. He, they remain dark. The smile is very hollow. Okay. And personally, it's the smile that I remember most from this footage. Yeah, it was, it was a weird smile. He, and the inside of his mouth was just a black void. His smile genuinely it disturbs me. Out. Like, mm-hmm. genuinely disturbs me. It, it felt very staged. Yeah, it... Like but you think when he is as well weird. something that I think of is when he's charming women mm. into going somewhere alone with him that's the visage that he puts on that's yeah, what they that's see what that's what he uses to charm people mm-hmm. and he did it on TV and it worked mm-hmm. but you can see it but it looks when you know what he's done his eyes are black like a shark's and it's yes. ugh, I hate it so much I mean the thing is, he must have been less outwardly cringy than his other two contestants because he won the game and Cheryl chose him for their date, which was tennis lessons and a trip to Magic Mountain, which for our UK listeners is a theme park in California. Yeah. The thing is, when the show was over and Cheryl was actually alone with him backstage, she started to get a weird, uneasy feeling. Oh, did she? She did. So women's instinct is a real fucking thing, everyone. It is. We have to be on the lookout for predators all the time, so mm-hmm. we pick up on little things that men might not notice. Obviously, this worked really well for Cheryl because she backed out of the date and it might have saved her life. Oh, thank God. We will never know if Rodney would have been thick enough to murder someone after he'd been on TV with them winning a date, Mm -hmm. as it might have looked a bit suspect if she just never returned from the televised date. But either way, we're glad it didn't happen. Definitely glad. I'm I'm relieved that you've said that. In 2012, she had an interview with the Sunday Telegraph, and she said, quote, I started to feel ill. He was acting really creepy. 
I turned down his offer. I didn't want to see him again. Wow. End quote. So she Gosh. got that feeling real hard. As soon yeah. as she started talking to him and it was just the two of them, she was like, fuck no. Like, something's up. Yeah, not something's up. And she listened to her gut instinct. So and really, like, all of these stories where we talk about predators, particularly male predators, mm-hmm. most of the stories that we've told uh, is, is violence against women because that's such a huge part of crime. That is a massive statistic. It and is. honestly, like, yeah. something that I want every person to take away from who's listening to this is if your gut instinct is telling you that something is wrong please fucking listen to it definitely listen to it because you your brain will subconsciously pick out so many little tiny behaviors that on a conscious level you won't think about oh this person is looking at me weird or oh this person touched me in a weird way or oh this person is breathing a bit funny when they're talking but that lizard brain part of your Mm -hmm. brain will know from an evolutionary perspective that's not right it channels that feeling to your tummy and your gut. Exactly. You go, and you're like, oh, something's up. So always yeah. listen to your gut instinct. Even if you feel like you're maybe being a little bit paranoid or a bit silly, yeah. it's not worth the risk. Listen not to your gut. Yeah. Trust yourself. So she wasn't the only one that got an off feeling about Rodney. It wasn't just Cheryl's women's intuition telling her to stay clear. Mm-hmm. Other people that were involved with the show had got their own gut feelings. Oh, wow. And one of these people was Bachelor number two. Ooh. Of course, who was sitting next to him during filming. So yeah. he was next to him for mm. quite a lot of time. And also, obviously, they're in the green room as well. Yeah. They're doing all the prep, the makeup and stuff. So mm-hmm. he, during filming, spent quite a lot of time with him. So he spoke out to CNN about his experience getting up close to the killer. Mm-hmm. His name is Jed Mills. And he said, quote, he was creepy. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> creepy. Something about him, I could not be near him. I'm kind of bending towards the other guy to get away from him, and I don't know if I did that consciously. Oh. But thinking back on it, I probably did. Yeah. He was quiet, but at the same time he would interrupt and impose when he felt like it. He was very obnoxious and creepy. He became very unlikable and rude and imposing, as if he was trying to intimidate. I wound up not only not liking the guy, not wanting to be near him, mm. he got creepier and more negative. He was a standout creepy guy in my life end quote just the sheer amount of times he described him as creepy yeah it's like it seems as though there aren't any other adjectives that you need if you're describing i I counted eight and then lost count (laughs) (laughs) so jed also revealed that rodney also told him before filming quote i always get my girl end quote which is just horrifying when you know what he did any man that says i always get my girl it's like ew you're objectifying me for a start yeah. I'm not like like women aren't yours. Yeah. We're not something you can get. No. But then the fact is it's an extra level when you know that he killed women. Interestingly, the executive producer of the dating game has since come out and said that he didn't like Rodney Alcala either, right from the beginning. <sighs> of course, it would be easy to come out now after everything's been discovered and say, Oh yeah, I never liked him. Yeah. But it does seem as though he's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So Mike Metzger sat down with his wife Ellen for an interview with ABC where they discussed what it was like for them to meet the serial killer. Ellen also worked on the show. She was the contestant coordinator. And whilst Mike reiterates that he didn't like Rodney, she says the opposite of herself. So weirdly, she liked him. She actually convinced Mike to put him on the show. (gasps) Ellen confesses she thought Rodney was good looking. And Mm. she says, quote, I don't know, he was just very striking. There was a boldness about him. He had long black hair. He was a striking-looking person. I mean, he quote. does have a weird face. I mean, he's yeah. not... When you look at him, he's not, like, the ugliest guy you've ever seen. It's no. not like he's deformed and ugly-looking. He just looks like a guy. 
He does look like an average Joe. Yeah, yeah he just looks... He blends in well. He blends in. He looks like a guy. And I think women might think he's attractive because he does have that confidence mm-hmm. and that charm. It's and there's, a lots, of, there's lots of charisma. serial predators that have that charisma and have that charm and they can switch it on. And oh, they use it sure. to trick people all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's one, of those, he's one of those people. Mike did not agree. So he said to ABC that during Rodney's audition for the show, he wrote MW down on the piece of paper in front of him, which told the other staff members in the room, no way. Oh, wow. So if he wrote MW when someone was auditioning, the other people would know what he was thinking, and it was fucking not a chance. Mike says that he thought Rodney was strange, and quote, he had a mystique about him that I found uncomfortable. End quote. And I think that's a really good way of describing him. It is. It feels like he's one of those people. Have you ever been around someone where they go really quiet but you can tell that they're constantly thinking about something and it's just unsettling? Kind of. I mean, doesn't everyone think when they're quiet? No, but I mean, like, they're really thinking about something that they're not letting on. Oh, like scheming. Yeah, scheming, but there's just something that they're definitely withholding. Yeah, I kind of It kind of feels like he's one of those people. Probably. He's probably thinking about killing you. Yeah. And it's like, I'm just It's like, oh, I don't like you. Like, I don't need vibes. friends. I can go without you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Ellen, however, had other opinions. Mm. She told Mike that he was so attractive and that women would love him. The couple eventually reached a compromise. Rodney mm. would be on the show, but Mike demanded that he be with two other male contestants that had good personalities and were respectful and decent. So he was mm. like, fine, we'll put this weirdo on, but he's yeah. got to be with two really boring vanilla straight lace people to... Mm even it out yeah of course so unfortunately due to the fact that it was 1978 nobody could do a background check on rodney oh, this is where i wanted to circle okay. back to you uh, yeah, if they yeah. had they'd mm-hmm. have been able to see his awful convictions for child molestation and assault but as it happened they couldn't there was mm-hmm. no way for anyone to know that in addition to that as well he killed five women because mm, yeah. nobody knew even the police didn't know he was a murderer at this point yeah Nobody knew about that. No, that was his own little secret that he took on TV with him. Exactly. The day after the show, Ellen received a phone call from Cheryl Bradshaw, the bachelorette who would run a date with Rodney. Mm-hmm. Ellen told ABC about this phone call, saying, quote, She said, Ellen, I can't go out with this guy. There's weird vibes that are coming off of him. He's very strange. I'm not comfortable. Is that going to be a problem? And of course I said no. End quote. Aww. So it was the next day yeah, that's very that Cheryl quick. called Ellen and mm-hmm. said, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Obviously, people don't like being rejected. Mm-hmm. More than that, men don't like being rejected. Oh, they sure don't. More than that, yeah. murdering sociopathic serial killers don't like being rejected. Oh, really? Especially when a woman told them yes on national TV, broadcasting millions of people, <laughs> and then he can't have what he was promised. No. And he always said, like, I get my girl, a girl, whatever. I always get my girl. Yeah. And he didn't get this one. And he didn't get this one. It's going to be extra. So best. after his dating game appearance, the next crime we have that he was definitely that was definitely carried out by him no. happened in February 1979. No. Now, I want to say that I don't believe for a moment that he took a six-month cooling-off period. Oh, no, definitely not. So lots of people suspect that Rodney Alcala may have killed many more women than the ones we know of. Mm. And I think this period of time between the dating game appearance and this incident, he had more victims. It wouldn't surprise me if you had a little frenzy going on. Yeah, I think so. Um, anyway, to February 1979. Mm-hmm. He picked up a 15-year-old hitchhiker called Monique Hoyt. He used the photographer ruse on her, telling the girl that he needed to take photos for a photography contest and he would love to use her as a model. Mm. He took her back to his apartment, where, according to him, they had consensual sex. 
I'm not quite sure how he arrives at that conclusion, given that she was 15 years old, a minor. And he was 36. That's so gross. She spent the night there, and in the morning, he drove them to the mountains. And of course, Rodney brought his camera. After taking nude photos of the child, she reportedly began to feel uneasy and tried to run away. I can't fucking blame her. I feel sick trying to imagine what she's going through. I'm sorry, but I'm going to continue. That's absolutely fine. You know what you signed up for. I do. That's why I'm sorry. He tied her up, beat her, and raped her. She was choked into unconsciousness, and according to her late testimony in court... She made testimony in court. Yeah, so she's, she's got to okay. be allowed to do that. She's got to be... Her oh, face, Sophie's face hell lit yes. up. Like, <laughs> yes. Yay. So according to Lady's testimony in court, she awoke to hear him crying. He should be crying. He just Sen- did an awful Sensing thing. his vulnerability, she managed to mm. convince him that she wanted to have a relationship with him. And Spot he on. untied her and undressed her. Wow. Uh, no, and dressed her. Not okay. undressed her. He'd already undressed her, <laughs> but he untied her and dressed her. Mm. So sometimes humanizing yourself can actually work. We've seen it a few times. Yeah. Like with Golden State Killer, mm-hmm. there was one victim off the top of my head, I can't remember her name, where she'd been raped and he was crying and talking about his ex and mumbling about Bonnie, his ex girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she was comforting him and asking him if he was okay and all this stuff and telling him it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And because she soothed him and made herself seem like somebody affectionate and loving he didn't kill her Mm -hmm. he raped her and did horrible things but he left her alive which was something that gsk in his later crimes did not do very often um and and, and in this instance as well she humanized herself and made him feel as though she had a connection with him and it actually worked after the assault he drove her back to riverside so he stopped to use the bathroom at a gas station and she fucking booked it to a motel where she screamed her lungs out that she needed someone to call the police. Fortunately, a couple there took her into their room to keep her safe and she was able to call the police and report being kidnapped and raped. So the police didn't take that long to arrive. Mm. Monique was taken to the station where she was shown a photo fit of different men and she immediately picked out Rodney. I guess because Rodney was a convicted sex offender in the area, his mugshot was in the, the photo book that she was shown like yeah. is it any of these guys and she was like yeah it's that fucking guy so the police went to go get him i'm so glad the police are finally like able to be involved yeah the way they there, it's at a point now when everything is stacking up and up and up yeah. and it's beginning to kind of not catch up with him because at this stage he's still able to do horrible things mm-hmm. but little things are coming together which they is are. which are making it a little bit harder for him to do horrible things yes so the police went to go get him he was really chilled out when they questioned him. Mm. And he revealed that he'd been in trouble with the police before, but only for marijuana charges. He oh, was right. like, oh yeah, I was arrested for some weed. Oh, how chill He refused to tell them anything about Monique, and the police were so unimpressed with this that they charged him with sexual assault. Good. So he was questioned mm. further, mm-hmm. and they made it obvious that they already had Monique's version of events. So they were like, we know what you fucking did. Yeah. He admitted that she was tied up and photographed, but he assured detectives that it was all completely consensual, of course. Like a, he a only put her t-shirt in her mouth when she started to scream and struggle because obviously oh. you scream in terror when you're consenting obviously yep that's what happened for some reason though this fucking menace to society was granted bail it was Why? set at just ten thousand dollars which seems insanely low for everything Hi. he's done and a trial was scheduled for night for september 1979 what the you want to know what happened next did he kill someone his mum posted his bail his mum posted his bail. He what was with these let go. To his mother's house. He was let go. Yeah. 
Four months after he got out on bail, a 20-year-old woman called Jill Parento would have her apartment broken into. She would be found on her bathroom floor, raped, beaten, and strangled. Four months after his mum bailed him out of jail. Disgraceful. And who knows what he did in between. Jill left work early on the 13th of June 1979 to go to an L.A. Dodgers baseball game. It was supposed to be a date with someone she knew from school. Oh. She never showed up at work the following day. She never showed up at the date. Her best friend Kathy called her the next day to find out how the date went, Mm. which is so innocent. You call your bestie to find out how your date went. Her call's got no answer. A little concerned, like any good bestie would be after your girl's been out on a date, Mm -hmm. she called her co-worker Janet, who told her that Jill never came to work that day. So Janet went to Jill's apartment, and it wasn't long until the police received a frantic phone call. Officers arrived at the apartment and Janet was hysterical and the police couldn't get an understandable word out of her. She was a complete fucking mess. Like, when I say hysterical, I mean, like, full shock, no No words. words. Just Just, heaving, crying, sobbing on the floor. They found that the screen was cut and the window damaged. Even the light bulb outside the front door had been unscrewed so that it didn't work. So this is some predatory shit. Yeah. This is some planning, this is some forethought. A lot of scheming. Lots of scheming. So this scene is very disturbing, so please skip ahead if you don't want to hear anything graphic. I cannot overemphasize how horrible this is. So if you're a little bit sensitive to this kind of thing, Mm -hmm. there's no obligation to listen to this bit. Just press that little 15 button a few times. Yeah. It's fine. Here we go. So Jill had been posed intentionally, like some of the other victims before her. Mm -hmm. Um, This time she was lying on the bed with her body propped up on pillows in a sitting position. Oh, so they're, like, behind her back. They're behind her back, so she is sitting upright. Right. Her legs had been spread open so that her genitals faced the door, just like Charlotte, Mm -hmm. and there was even a bedroom lamp that had been moved and the shade removed, positioned so that it shone on her genitals. Wow, that's a lot of... uh, Fuck, what's the word? Uh, A lot of intent behind that. Yes. It's like... It's incredibly deliberate. He is very pleased. He's setting up. There was a lot of adjustments made. Well, I mean, he thinks he's a photographer. Oh, he's deluded as fuck. There was intense trauma to Jill's face. Mm. Intense trauma. And a pair of tights was nearby with knots in it. The cord from an electric blanket was tied around her neck. This was yet again another example of Rodney taking the time and effort to pose a body, except because this time he was in someone's apartment, he clearly had the time to make sure it was exactly how he wanted it. This also, I've not got it in the notes, but I just wanted to say, because I was thinking it at the time, it reminds me a lot of Jack the Ripper's last known canonical victim. Because he was in the apartment, Mm -hmm. he had the time to do what he wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. this gives me similar vibes. Yeah, I see that. In the worst way. So, the way that she was displayed facing the door, he wanted to inflict as much shock and horror he, as he could upon the person who came into the room. And poor Janet seemed to be that person. Yeah, that probably definitely absolutely worked. The autopsy showed that she had serious injuries to her head, including a six-inch six scalp laceration. And she mm. was strangled with the tights before being also strangled with the blanket cord. Because oh the, the patterns from the knots in the tights were yeah. on her neck, so they knew that that's what it was. Still have been really... Yeah. Her breasts were bitten and both her vaginal and rectal cavities were injured. Gosh. It turned out, as testified by Kathy later on, that mm-hmm. Rodney had actually met Jill before. What? The pair had met in a club multiple times. Oh and so gosh. this means it's possible that he deliberately chose and stalked her 
rather than Jill yeah. being a victim of opportunity. I was say, probably because probably. he tends to he tends to approach women that he sees out on the street, asks mm. them for their photos. Yeah. If they agree to go with him to a secondary location, mm-hmm. it seems that he does lure them away to kill them. Or if they don't agree to go with him, but he's able to take their picture, then he just uses it for his portfolio. Yeah. Some other women, he, you he sort of, it seems like this lady he does sort of stalk them or break in like he broke into charlotte lamb's apartment Mm. um or pounced on her in the hallway in the laundry room whatever Mm. um yeah sometimes he makes like fake appointments fake appointments oh with the with ellen hover and the photography thing like john burger and whatever time yeah 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 um obviously because we know now quite a lot about what rodney alcala did it means that he eventually got caught and had to answer for a lot of his awful crimes. Mm. Because we wouldn't know all this stuff if he hadn't been caught. However, his being caught came as the result of a murder he committed of a 12-year-old girl named Robin Samso. Like Tali Shapiro all those years before, Robin was from Huntington Beach area and she was on her way somewhere when she met Rodney. Mm. Unlike Tali, she wasn't going to school, but she was on her way to a ballet lesson. It was June the 20th, 1979, which was a Wednesday. So, irrelevant, but June the 20th is also my birthday. Yeah. Which is weird. I was thinking. Because the year I was born, that also happened to be a Wednesday. So I was born on a Wednesday, on June 20th. And it was a Wednesday on June 20th that Robin Samso was abducted and killed. That's a a wild coincidence. So, yeah, so I just thought it was weird. That is weird. It was weird. So, anyway, on this particular day, Rodney mm-hmm. Alcala was being a massive creepy loser on Huntington Beach. He was. Creepy. It didn't start there, though. So, mm-hmm. two teenage girls who were 14 and 15 years old would later testify in court that the day before, a man fitting Rodney's description was trying desperately to get them to go and take photos That's, with him. It's so cringy. With he, I mean, it seems as though, like, every waking moment that he wasn't working as a typesetter at the LA Times, he was yeah. just being a desperate creepy he was weirdo. Just begging women for their pictures. Yeah, Maybe. basically. That's what Maybe. he spent all his time doing. And if he got lucky enough that someone would trust him, yeah. he could kill him. Mm-hmm. And that was literally all of his life because he's a fucking loser. He and an I cannot loser. stand people. I'm just going to go off for a second. Go I on. cannot stand people who glorify and idolize serial killers. You see so many of these fucking loser teenage girls at the moment obsessed with Jeffrey Dahmer and talking about how cute he is. Yeah. And it's like, this guy is a predator and a loser and he's terrible and you couldn't change him. And it's no one just, could change him. He doesn't no, even care to be changed. He doesn't care to be changed. He would fucking kill you and eat your eyeballs. And if, he would laugh. Yeah, and it's and people as well. And the same thing about Ted Bundy and all these fucking and Richard um, Ramirez. Ramirez and all these fucking people. And it's like these guys are losers. Yeah, they're they're, they're disgusting. They're people. predators. They're losers. And I cannot stand the amount of idolizing at the moment. So I just want to be clear that I think Rodney Alcala is a massive piece of shit. Mm-hmm. He's not worth five minutes of anyone's time. But I do think that it's important to go over the worst of what humanity does so that we are armed against people like him. Yes. That's how I feel. I completely second that. Anyway, Mm -hmm. to get back on track. So, he was being creepy and sad. He tried to bribe them with marijuana and told the girls that the photos were for a bikini contest. They were like, nah, mate. In the weeks that followed, they would see him again on the news, and that's when they came forward to police to tell him they'd also seen him and had an interaction with him. He was still trying his hardest on the 20th of June, so two more girls, Lorraine Wurtz and Patty Elmendorf, had also said that he approached them. 
The reason that police know about these girls is because they later found a photo of Lorraine in Rodney's portfolio. Oh, so he might not have okay. been able to separate them or get them to a secluded enough location to kill them, but he still kept her photo in his collection. Mm, yeah. A woman named Jackie Young, who lived nearby, had chased away a man she thought was a bit weird from Robin Samso and her friend Bridget Wilvert when the two little girls were playing on the beach. They were wearing swimsuits, and he was trying to get them to let him take their pictures. So gross. Jackie fucked him off, and it wouldn't be long before Robin realised that she was running late for her ballet class. Oh. She borrowed Bridget's yellow bike and cycled away. She wouldn't be seen again. Wow. A huge search was conducted, but nobody could find Robin. Her picture was all over the news. Her parents were working non-stop to try and get her and bring her home safely. Mm-hmm. Twelve agonising days after she was stolen from her parents, Robin would be found by a forestry worker. He was kind of forestry worker, firefighter. Obviously, oh, okay. over there in LA, they have a lot of forest fires, so they mm-hmm. have fire departments that are specifically for forestry services wow. and areas and stuff, and it was yeah. one of these teams going out that found her. Wow. Um, he called the police and informed them who came over right away. Mm. This, once again, is rough to hear. Okay. It's especially rough because she's 12. Yeah. Um, so if you want to skip ahead, feel free. A couple of 15 buttons. A couple of 15 buttons and we'll be done. Um, but yeah, this is this is really gross. Um, Robin was not found in good shape. Mm. I'm just going to put that out there right now. She was not in a good way. Okay. The poor little thing had endured some horrible things. Um, yeah. Mm. So she was killed shortly after she was abducted. And her remains were in the woods for 12 days. That's 12 days of weather, 12 days of animals, insects, and the general decomposition process. Robin was mostly skeletal by the time she was recovered, and most of her hands and her left foot were missing. When I say most of her hands, I don't mean she had more than two hands, obviously, but I mean like like the majority of the the pieces of her hands were gone. So basically, no, 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 I mean like her hands. Oh, like the bones? Like the the hand. The hand itself? Like it was cut off? No. So... No part of her. Missing. Yeah, so okay. we th- we think we think like I'm involved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> getting ahead of myself. So people think yeah. that it was down to animal activity, yeah, but they couldn't okay. be sure. Mm. So nobody really knew, but that's kind of what the coroner thought at the time. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I get that. Um, yeah, so the majority of the parts of the hands were gone, and her left foot right okay. was also gone mm-hmm. mostly. Um, most of her soft tissue had been eaten by wild animals and a cause of death could not be found, nor could any signs of sexual assault. Mm. The only sign of violence that could be deducted from the remains was that her front teeth were forcibly knocked out. Ooh. Yeah. Um, she also... I haven't put it in my notes because I forgot, um, but I've remembered now. Um, her, I do mention it later, but it's worth mentioning now because we're talking about the state of the remains. Mm-hmm. Um, her head was not joined to her neck mm. um, there's a word for it can't remember segmented no oh, um, but basically yeah so the vertebrae were separated they were not so, yeah. so the vertebrae at the, at the base of the neck mm-hmm. no at the base of the skull were not connected to her spine anymore oh. um, but again they there was no trauma to the bones themselves like it had been if you, if you decapitate somebody the chances are you are going to leave some kind of um, incision mark on the bone itself. There was nothing like that that could be discovered. So people don't think that she was intentionally decapitated with a blade. Mm -hmm. But yeah, her head was not attached to the rest of her. Um, Close to her body was one of her shoes and a kitchen knife. 
Okay. It took the police three days to identify Robin. So they had her for three days and yeah. they couldn't figure out for sure who she was. They kind of no. knew, chances are, it's, it's, yeah, it's poor Robin, but Robin. they didn't have a definite identification and they had to use dental records to do so. Mm. So in an interview with Robin's mother, Mariana, she recalls the day that the police informed her that her baby had been found dead. She asked to see her daughter's body and the police wouldn't allow her. Mm. This is hard. I find this, when I was researching this, Mm -hmm. this little segment was harder for me to read than all of the descriptions about her remains. This was harder. Mm -hmm. So the officer told her, so the police wouldn't allow her to view Robin. And she was like, why not? Yeah. And the officer said, it's taken us three days to identify her. Yeah. Because obviously she's in such a bad state so he thought that by saying that it would be like look this is why it's taken us three days Marianne said what's wrong with you people how many little girls with long blonde hair disappear that it took you three days the officer began to cry and he told Marianne there was no hair yeah in the time it took for Robin to be found, the police mm. had talked to witnesses and discovered that a man on Huntington Beach was approaching young girls. Bridget's neighbour Jackie gave the police a description of Rodney Alcala and helped them come up with a sketch. Wow. This sketch looked exactly like Alcala, yeah. and unfortunately for him, yeah. his parole officer noticed the resemblance. Oh, oh. So he saw it and was like, I know that loser. That's my, that's Ronnie, that's that's my, my loser. Guy. That's Ronnie O'Connor. <laughs> that's the guy. <laughs> Finally, in July 1979, mm. Ronnie O'Connor was arrested for the last time. Woo. Finally, he was held on incredibly high bail, $250,000. That's a nice fat middle finger to his mum. He was not going to be able to get away from this. Thank God. While he was being questioned in jail, police mm. obtained a search warrant for his mother's house, <laughs> which, if you remember correctly, is why he was questioned before by the two FBI task forces in previous years. Ah, yes. We've on the team of police conducting the, ser- conducting the search was a Sergeant Ron Jenkins, and he remembers that day very clearly. Mm. Aside from the usual things that would turn up during a search, like clothes, etc., he remembers seeing a receipt for a storage unit on a table. Mm, The search warrant unfortunately did not cover the seizure of documents, so he couldn't take it with him. But he did write down the name of the company. Nice. So he used his little notebook. If if anyone's ever seen Hot Fuzz, Sergeant Angel talks about how his notebook (laughs) has saved his life on multiple occasions, and this fella... This is it. he, He wrote that shit down. He used the power of the notebook. Police also found photos... Lots of photos. Mm. Hundreds of photos. Including negatives and slides that were almost 2,000. Wow. And obviously this is the days before digitization. This yeah. is like physical. That's, 2,000. That's, that's a lot of that's work. A lot. That takes that. up a lot of space. That's a lot of hours spent in a dark room developing time. that shit. Yeah. <sighs> Gosh. The police obviously listened in on the calls that Rodney was getting in jail. Yeah. So he called his sister that same night and actually talked about the storage locker. Ooh. He didn't divulge to his sister over the phone what was in there or discuss yeah. the contents in any way. Mm-hmm. But he did say, it's a good thing the police don't know about that <laughs> storage locker. <laughs> oh, I bet it is. On the jail phone, you're going to say it's a good thing the police don't know about my storage locker? That's stupid. Really? I mean, this guy thinks he's so fucking smart. IQ of yeah. 135, but he can't figure he out not to mention incriminating evidence on a jail phone. Disappointing. Fucking idiot. Loser. The next day, the police went back to the house with a shiny new search warrant, Yay. determined to get their hands on that fucking receipt. Ding, but ding. it wasn't there. Well, 
wife. Immediately, the police began to worry that Rodney's sister might have already gone there to dispose of whatever was inside, yeah. getting rid of potential evidence of his crimes. Uh. Jenkins looked up the storage facility he wrote down, and it was in Seattle, which is a 16-hour drive away. Okay. Worried that his sister would get there first, the police got together a search warrant for King County in Washington, and they managed to get inside the storage unit before it could be tampered with. Yay! Inside, they found a trove of evidence. Ooh. This was Rodney Alcala's trophy cabinet. I was, I was just thinking, did he take any trophies or collect all? He did. Uh-oh. There was a motorbike in there, which also featured in some of the photos. Mm, so there was yeah. some in the photos. There were some women posed on the motorbike, and that same bike was in the storage locker. Wow! And lots of other bits and pieces that could be labelled as junk. So there was Yay. some stuff in there that was just like his random shit that he didn't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of items that were extremely relevant to the case, Ooh. and things that would mean Rodney Alcala would face up to the crimes that he'd committed. Mm. Tell me more. I'm curious. Detectives found a jewelry pouch full of earrings. Ooh, oh, that's creepy. Oh, they shouldn't be in pairs like that. Because they're creepy. clearly not his. That's fucking awful. I hate that. One Ooh. pair was identified as belonging to Robin Samso. Another pair would later be identified as belonging to Charlotte Lamb. Mm-hmm. The others have never been matched to any of his victims. Oh my gosh. And police That's... suspect that there are many more victims out there who have never been linked to him. Exactly. So I've actually got chills on my arms. Same as, as I'm saying this, like yeah. my my right arm is my arms are stiff. <laughs> and it's just thinking that there is a bag of earrings, yeah, belonging to dead women, and we don't know who they are, and we don't know where they are either, and we don't know where they are. We don't know who they are. It could be that they've already been found, and mm-hmm. they're just cold cases. They just remained as Jane Doe's. It could be they're Jane Doe's. It could be mm-hmm. we know who they are and that they've died, but that the case is cold and there's no link to Rodney Alcala. Mm-hmm. It yeah. could be there's people that have never been found. Yeah. It. There's something about a bag full of earrings. It's it kind of, when I read it, it gave me the same vibe as, have you seen Sounds of the Lambs? Yes. Yeah. So you know the moment when the girl is in the well pit thing? Yeah. And she's looking up and talking to Buffalo Bill and she's trying to bargain with him. And there's that moment when she sees a fingernail in the wall. Oh, yeah. That is the Ooh. scariest moment of that film yeah. for me because when I first watched it and I didn't know it was coming mm-hmm. and that moment when she sees the fingernail and she yeah. has that moment of realisation that he's done this before and I'm not getting out of here yeah. and it's that moment when she realises and mm-hmm. that freaks me out yeah. and it still freaks me out and when I re- and when I first I mean I've known about this case for a few years so I knew about the pack of earrings when I was researching this anyway right. but when I first heard about it it gave me that same feeling yeah. in like my chest where you just feel like there's nothing in there anymore yeah yeah anyway i just wanted to share that with you because if i'm feeling it you have to as well (laughs) (laughs) you're coming down with me there were boxes and boxes of photos Mm. so in addition to the many found in his mother's house there were another 1700 in storage one box of photos had written on it quote tally va rape end quote which is so disturbing. That's disgusting. Set this man on fire. Sorry, don't spit out your drink. No, I just <laughs> took a drink. I actually said, set this man on fire. And it took a lot of restraint not to spit and drink all over my laptop. I seriously hate this I guy. am all for it, though. Jeez. Like, add him to the pyre. Throw him in the volcano at <laughs> Throw him in the volcano. Off he goes. Just, you know, any goes. volcano. Yeah, or Just any, any of them. Great height. Yep. Splat. Anyway, yep. So there were so many different women and girls in these photos, mm. and the police began to seriously suspect that they had a serial killer on their hands. Because at this point, oh. nobody fucking knew. Mm. He'd definitely been 
a child rapist. Yeah. He definitely tried to kill a child. He'd assaulted children. They were, like, almost 100% sure that he killed Robin Samso. Yeah. But that was kind of all they knew. Mm, true. And those New York gone. police suspected that he had something to do with Alan Hover. Yes. But they couldn't prove it. Mm-hmm. But at this point, nobody knew that he was a serial killer. But can you imagine going into that storage unit, mm. knowing what he's done to Robin Samso, and thinking, yeah, we're going to get him for murdering this 12-year-old, and finding a bag of fucking earrings. Yeah. Can you imagine... You and, your brain and would just explode and be like, oh, what fuck, you've got? There's so much more to this. Yeah. That's only going to get worse. Ooh, uh, I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> we now know that Rodney photographed every woman he killed. Yes. But he did not kill every woman he photographed. Nope. If the circumstances were in her favor, like the location being too public or witnesses, mm. he photographed. And he wouldn't be able to kill her, and the photos would simply become part of his portfolio. Yeah. But obviously not everybody. Nope, not every and time. Like that. Not, not every, every time. Day. And we don't know which is which. We have no idea. So we have no idea which photos are the ones that got away and which photos are the ones that probably didn't. Mm-hmm. So in amongst these photos were pictures of Robin Samso. Yeah. Police Pretty now striking. had enough to put Rodney on trial for Robin's murder. Yes. The trial did not go well for Rodney. Oh, for I just Rodney. want to tell okay, you straight fine. away yep. that like he did not have a good time at this trial. It didn't go well for did him. Did he poop himself? In so the unfortunately, no, he didn't. That <laughs> I know of, but maybe he eked out a little fart. Or something. <laughs> he never, like peed himself. So witnesses from the June nineteenth and twentieth confirmed that he was the man they saw and interacted with at the beach, and the photos in the storage locker of several girls who came forward, including mm-hmm. Robin's photo, proved that what they were saying was true. Oh, that's so brave because I fucking think so. so right? I'm proud so of proud. Proud? I'm proud. <laughs> I'm going to introduce another woman here. Okay. A person called Dana Crapper. Don't fucking laugh. With a K, right? No, it's C-R-A-P-P-A. Oh. So I'm assuming it's pronounced like Crapper. Oh, or Craper. Or I don't... I'm just going to call her Dana. Because it's Please easier than Dana. me. That's yeah. a really pretty not So easy. she worked on the firefighting crew who was in the area. Oh, that's a badass. member of which discovered Robin's body. So oh, cool. I think his name was... I've got his name here, but it's hard to say. So I only wrote it down once. <laughs> it's William... Oh, fuck. What was it? It's Danny... William Shutton. Poep it's P O E P K E. Poopkey. It's so I'm just gonna call him William because it's hard. <laughs> so let's see. Um so Dana had been interviewed by the police when the body was discovered because when the body was found, yeah. all of William's crew were mm-hmm. interviewed because they were like, Have you seen anything? Yeah. You were around. Well, You're you part see? of this team. Tell us about tell it. Us, tell us more. Yeah. Um she was not cooperative and she was really evasive. Really? Yeah. What? Why? What? Me. Um, uh, so at the time, the young witness was only 20 years old. She was 20 and she was a firefighter. So she clearly wanted to do good, but she was young. I think so. So it's thought that her hesitation to talk to the police was due to fear of what she had seen. And mm. I will get into this because okay. she saw some shit, man. And I. I'm going to get into it. A lot of people online rag on her. I don't think she deserves it. Personally, I think she's getting a bad rap. I think we'll get into it. Yeah. In between Robin being found and the trial beginning, she met with the police 12 separate times, which I think proves that she was obviously willing to meet with them. Yeah, she was at least trying. Yeah, and each time she met them, Mm -hmm. she told a little bit more and became a little bit more forthcoming. The defence later in subsequent things would say that oh, the police were, like, planting ideas in her head because each time she met them, she told them a bit more. And it's mm-hmm. like, you could say that, but this isn't fucking Brendan Darcy. No. This is an intelligent young woman 
who is traumatized. Yes. And she each time she meets the police, she feels a little safer. So she's able to say a lot more, in my opinion. I'm not a professional. Mm-hmm. The first thing that Dana revealed was that the day after the murder, she almost crashed into a car which was parked very close to where Robin was found. Mm. The day after the murder. Yeah. So this is the 21st of June. Standing next to this parked car was a man wearing jeans and a dirty t-shirt. That sounds about right. She also noticed that the car had mud around the tyres. She has been uncertain of what time this was. So at first she thought it was between 10 and 10.30 at night, but then later on she thought it could have been between 8 and 8.30 at night. Was it quite late, do you think? Not necessarily, because even though it's summertime, there's other times nearby we'll talk about in a minute where she was looking around places with a torch. So oh, it was kind of dark. Okay. Also, if you're in a forest, there's going to be, like, canopy, which is going to keep the light out. True, yeah, in the forest. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So either way, this was in the evening. So she mm. wasn't sure whether it was 10 o'clock or 8 o'clock, but it was yeah. it was dark. It was evening time. It was late time. enough. Yeah. So after some more meetings with the police and being pressed a little bit more, Dana began to open up a little bit more. Mm. So the team of firefighters got stationed in the area for checks quite frequently. So Dana and her team were around quite often at the same time. Mm-hmm. She revealed that she'd also seen the same car and the same man the previous day. Hmm. This was the day that Robin was abducted. She said to police and later testified on the stand in the 1980 trial that she saw the man with a little girl. Oh my gosh, no wonder she was really uncomfortable. The girl wasn't very tall and had long blonde hair and they were both facing away from her. She remembers where they were as it's close to one of the firefighting team's checkpoint markers, marker 11. This marker is around 300 feet from where Robin was found deceased. She said that the man was, quote, sort of forcefully steering, end quote, the little girl into the trees away from the road. Oh Dana said that the man who might have heard her approach turned around and looked at her, but that he looked through her. Oh, it's creepy. This frightened her. I'm not surprised. And she felt in her gut that something might be wrong. Oh my she gosh. didn't say anything or tell anyone. Mm. Which, I'm interrupting my own notes here to interject my opinions. I've got my opinions written down later on, but I always do this. I always get to like part way. And instead of just waiting to get to the point where I say my opinions, I interrupt myself to say what I think. And then I'm going to repeat myself later on anyway. But, like, on one hand, I can see where if you're fucking terrified, if you're 20 and you're a young woman and there's a creepy guy, I can see why it would be scary and you wouldn't say anything. Because it it's easy to be intimidated by a guy who's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. that can be scary I've been in that situation where I felt intimidated by a strange man yeah I'm yeah, sure every woman that's listened to that has been in that situation that's oh, listening to this has been in that situation yeah. but then on the other hand you're thinking if you see a man with a child and something seems like it's not right even if you're scared shouldn't you call the police and say something mm-hmm. and it's that I see why she would have been afraid mm-hmm. but then also like you gotta fucking say something mm-hmm. like you've You've got to say something. Even if it's hard. You've only got a chance once and it's in the moment. Yeah. So this encounter was between 5 and 5.30, which is about an hour... and Which is about an hour and a half to two hours after Robin was last seen by Bridget. Okay. So about an hour and a half to two hours after after Robin cycled away on her bike, she was seen by Dana getting led up the hill in the woods. Okay. On the stand... Dana testified that she was almost 100% sure that the two sightings that she had were of the same man. Wow, okay. 
Okay. So of the sighting of him leading the girl away, mm-hmm. and then of him standing next to his parked car a day later, she yeah. was almost 100% sure that it was the same guy. We are about to get into disturbing details here, so skip ahead if you're not willing to hear them. Once again, this is potentially really disturbing. Mm-hmm. On the 25th of June, five days after Robin was taken by Rodney Alcala, Dana found human remains. She testified on the stand for the first time that she went back to marker 11 as instructed for work and walked up the ravine with a flashlight. This was between 7 and 7.30. At this point, the prosecutor had to do quite a bit of prodding to get her to talk about this, Mm -hmm. as Dana was visibly struggling to talk about it and was very upset. She found a body. The corpse was nude, and she said that part of the face was gone. Oh, gosh. Whether this is a result of animal activity or disfiguration by Rodney himself is unknown. Okay. She described the body as, quote, pretty cut up, end quote. Rodney Alcala has not got a history of cutting up bodies that we know of, mm. but his violence against his victims is quite varied, and he clearly likes to disfigure his victims. He does, yeah. Plus, we don't know how many other people he could have killed whose bodies don't necessarily fit his known MO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She said the hands and feet were missing, although if you remember from the autopsy report, only one of her feet was gone. Personally, I can see past this inaccuracy as the trauma from seeing this would be enormous. And if you saw a dead child with three appendages missing, you could easily assume that all four are gone and not want to look twice. Definitely. She said that the head was not attached to the body, but was next to it. She couldn't tell if it was severed intentionally. She saw clothes nearby, shorts and a t-shirt, and one shoe. Dana was horror-struck and left the area immediately and was too frightened to tell anyone what she saw. She testified that five days later, she was in the area again with her team and that William, I can't say that, William Poepke, William Pepke, I don't know, I really should have looked up how to say this name, but um, it's too late now. So William, who reported finding Robin, was, was with her. He found bones and assumed they were deer bones and he actually tossed one at her. Yeah. Like, so he w- yeah. So he thought that they were deer bones. Oh he was walking around and he threw one at her to no. sort of make her jump or scare her or something. So he yeah. thought it was a deer because they're in the woods and there's wildlife everywhere. Evil. Yeah. So he was goofing around. Dana was horrified oh, gosh. because she yeah. knew it wasn't a fucking deer. Mm-hmm. But again, she didn't say anything. She had that just too strong. She didn't say anything. So she went back to the crime scene again at night on the same day and saw the body once more. She said it was mostly skeletal and the right arm was gone. Oh. She found blonde hair. I guess you like people are frustrated at this. Yeah. Imagine finding detached hair. That must be... Your survival instincts would want you to just bolt out of there and never go back. This woman is going to need so much therapy. Indeed, yeah. She also saw a metallic object glinting in the light of her torch, and police think that this was the knife that was found nearby. Oh, yes, it could have been. It was three days after this that her colleague William saw the skull and called the authorities. Right, okay. So, it goes without saying, Dana has faced criticism online about not coming forward with what she saw and her discoveries. Mm -hmm. Dana, after all, did see Rodney leading Robin away to where she would eventually be discovered while she was still alive. Yeah. If she had immediately contacted the police, could she have been saved like Tali Shapiro? We will never know. know. But from the, but from that case with Tali Shapiro, yeah. we do know that Rodney attacks quickly and brutally. Very quickly. And obviously yeah. from that case, he learned mm-hmm. that the longer he sort of toys with a victim, yeah. the chances are that he's going to get interrupted. Because yeah. it happened. Yeah. 
We also know from some of his other cases that he does like to torture people and prolong it and keep them alive. Because mm-hmm. that's also happened. So, basically, we have no fucking idea if Robin Samso could have been saved, if Robin had... If Robin... If Dana had um, told somebody what she saw. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she was up a fucking... Up in the hills, in the forest, in a ravine. I don't know how she could have... In 1979, 1978, I don't know how she could have contacted somebody. Exactly. Where and then, where would you go? How would you contact somebody? I don't know if they had, like, radios in their vehicles. Because they, mm. they were, like, firefighting um, spray teams. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. She would have had to drive to a payphone. If not, then the police would have had to drive all the way out there. So by then, the chances are Robin would have been dead anyway. Yeah. But then, Rodney maybe could have been caught. Mm-hmm. There would definitely have been evidence that would have been preserved. There's so many what-ifs. <sighs> I don't know. There's so many what-ifs. There's so many things. So people online have also criticised her for not reporting Robin's body when she first found it. Mm-hmm. I do agree. The important evidence could have been saved had she been found sooner. Sure. But I also have never found the incomplete and decaying body of a child. No. So I can't say how I would react no. if I found that. Mm-hmm. From her visible and obvious distress on the witness stand, it was clear to anyone present that Dana was deeply affected by what she saw. She had recurring nightmares and was treated for depression. Coupling that with the knowledge that a killer was out there, and don't forget, a killer Mm. who saw her. Exactly, they saw each other. They saw each other. So knowing that there was someone out there who was capable of doing this, that knew what she looked like. If she was at work, she could have been in a uniform, she could have had a work vehicle. He would have then known what she worked for. That was probably fucking terrifying. Yeah. If she spoke to the police, how did she know that she wouldn't be next? Mm -hmm. How did she know that she may not have... So people are very critical of her, but I don't think people are giving her enough slack because, yeah, maybe she fucked up, but you cannot imagine how terrifying that must have been and if you're just trying to keep safe and alive you will go quiet on some things that maybe you shouldn't sometimes self-preservation instincts kick in they do you just gotta survive so the earrings i want to jump to this Mm -hmm. became massively important as a piece of evidence in the trial so marianne robin's mother confirmed that a pair of earrings recovered from the storage locker looked exactly like a pair that robin owned actually they used to be hers and interestingly they used to have a bit that dangled off each one so there was like a little round gold stud and then a little dangly bit that came off the bottom Mm -hmm. one of them broke off so Marianne used a pair of nail clippers to clip off the other one so that they matched which is really cute that's adorable and then she gave them to Robin so Robin could have a a little pair of studs and Marianne said that on the earrings there was a mark on one of them that looked like where she used the nail clippers oh yes so they could really present that in court and be like look this fucking guy has her earrings can't lock him up forever yeah so next evidence would be presented from two fellow inmates in the correctional facility where Rodney Arcala was being held Mm. it did appear that his smugness and unflappable superiority (laughs) complex had made him relax a bit around fellow criminals so Robert Dove and Michael Herrera both testified against Rodney and he was probably quite pissed about that oh for sure Obviously, you always have to be careful when reviewing testimony from jailhouse informants, mm-hmm. as the vast majority of the time they're trying to get a deal or make their own lives easier. Yeah, they're doing it for their own gain. Still, sometimes. the information they gave is very interesting and it's definitely worth mentioning here. Mm. So I'm going to mention it here. Yeah, let's hear it. Robert Dove said that on the stand, Rodney had told him, quote, nobody seen me take her, end quote. <laughs> which just That's sounds not like an the dumbest for at all. Yeah, if you didn't take her, you wouldn't say nobody seen me do it. Nobody see me full stop is 
what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rodney was bragging that he would never be con- convicted without the film and the bike. And he also seemed certain that the bike would never be located. This was super fucking dodgy, especially when you think the bike has never been found. Yeah. So Michael Herrera told the court that Rodney had bragged that it was no crime to take pictures at the beach. Mm. He also said, he also said he lured Robin into his car by saying that he would take photos for a magazine and pay her. And he had difficulty fitting the bike into his car. Obviously, he didn't kill her, though. He just, like, lured her into his car and took a bike. And just borrowed a bike, Um, yeah. He also said that he put the bike behind a charity shop, or as Americans call it, a thrift store. Yeah. And that he didn't think the police would find it. Oh, do you think it got re-thrifted? As I said, the bike has never been officially located, but the manager of a thrift store in the area said that he found an identical bike behind his shop in July and sold it. Oh. He thought it was in really good shape for a charity donation. Uh, Because it was a brand new fucking bike. I guess it was. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you don't know... If if it was like right afterwards and it hadn't yeah. come up that she'd been abducted yet, you you would just be like, oh, this is a donation. Dumped out of the oh all the time of the store yeah. to be oh all the time sold. yeah. So yeah, it's very normal. The defense objected to this strenuously because mm-hmm. obviously they're like, you know, whatever. So so this <laughs> is something. So the prosecution introduced Rodney's early convictions of child molestation and being a fucking creepy weirdo. Mm-hmm. The defense was not cool about this. No. Um, so this was to show that he had a history of alluring girls and violence. Yeah. Rodney Alcala was convicted of Robin's murder and sentenced to death. Oh. The death penalty. The death penalty. Ooh. They were like, fuck you, death penalty. Rolling out the guillotine. <laughs> Not quite, unfortunately. Electrocuting you. Injecting you. <laughs> All at the same time? Setting you on fire. <laughs> Wait, setting on oh. fire isn't really a punishment anymore. Yes, it is. I mean, neither is the guillotine. It's not nice, is it? <laughs> so, however, the story doesn't quite end there. Why? The conviction was overturned. Fuck. <laughs> As the California Supreme Court determined that the introduction of his prior sex crimes was improper. What? Yeah. How? How? So, How? because it, was, it would give bias to whomst. To whomst. So they were like, if the jury knows that he's a creepy pedo anyway, then they're going to give him the death penalty. So they should really, if they're convicting him for the murder of Robin Samso, they should right. only talk about Robin Samso. I know, no, I know, you've got to talk about the whole... I know, guy I know. Who's on. I know. You look so pissed. So, so, bear with me, bear with me. He was given a retrial in 1986, which was basically exactly the same as the first one, except okay. the jury was not told that he was a sex offender. Did he still get the death penalty? It makes me very happy to tell you that once again he was sentenced to death. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> was so excited. Woo-hoo! You looked kind of like, you know like when Gollum gets the ring back? Thanks a fucking good <laughs> You look like this little weird guy that, you know, sneaks around caves and talks to himself and doesn't mind being wet and cold. I mean, I'll... (laughs) My ring. Yeah, you look like that, Sophie. I mean, you look like... I don't even have blue eyes. I remember, like, the expression was like... like, It was that same kind of joy. I thought I would have looked like someone at Christmas that's excited to hear about Santa. Yeah, that too. But, you know... Golem, <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> oh my god. It's not often me that has to like edit out my own laughter in this show. It's not only <laughs> no. really you I have to do yeah. that with. Holy shit. And here oh we go. My sister looks like Golem. Oh, guys. right. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath and go and carry on reading. Okay. Give me a couple hmm. minutes then. So, however, this still isn't the end because in 2001 the conviction was overturned again. Can you just die anyway? This time by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Fuck. The thing is, the state really didn't want Rodney Alcala to get out. 
Yeah. They really didn't. They yeah. were like, no, he's a pedo and a sex offender mm-hmm. and he is probably a serial killer. We've got a bag of earrings. Can we just keep this guy in fucking prison for like yeah. five minutes, please? Mm-hmm. So police were busy utilising Brian's banking new DNA technology, yeah. testing all kinds of things from unsolved murders. Come on, DNA. Unfortunately for Rodney Alcala, these things that they were testing included some of the semen samples that he had left behind at his rape and murder scenes. <laughs> so because he was like... I want to get out of jail. And the Mm. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals were like, bam, conviction overturned. Then the California state whatever were like, okay, we're going to retry you for Robin Samso. Mm -hmm. We're also going to retry you for these. We're also going to try you for these four other murders at the same time, asshole. That is just as... So he was indicted for the murders of Jill Barkham, Georgia Wickstead, Charlotte Lamb, and Jill Parento. When charging Rodney with these additional murders, Orange County District Attorney said, quote, we realise that not only was Rodney Alcala a vicious murderer in our case, but in fact, he is the serial killer we always suspected him to be. In addition to the sexual assault and the fact that they were all left naked and posed, and to the beatings and traumas to the head, each of these women was strangled with ligatures, with some sort of tie around their neck. Rodney Alcala was committing murders all over the place to work the system to confuse law enforcement. End quote. Powerful. Yeah, it's fucking true. Very true. Yeah, you can't poke holes in that. You no, no holes to poke. Because that's just how it is. That's how it, it is. Yeah. So while they were preparing the third trial to keep him locked up for Robin's murder, the prosecution decided to also include the four newly discovered victims in the same trial. Mm-hmm. His lawyers obviously were like, no, <laughs> like don't. But do they that didn't. To my client, they please. they didn't get anywhere. No, of course not. So unfortunately, it took a few years to get there. But in 2006, the Supreme Court ruled that he could be tried for all five cases at once. Wow. And tried for all five, he was. Hey. So his trial for all five murders began in 2010. And like every narcissistic sack of shit ever, he did what, Sophie? Uh, go on TV about it? He represented himself. <laughs> oh, I'm glad he did that. He went the extra thing. mile and did full-on LARPing in the courtroom. <laughs> he got a, a little invisible joust. He would pretend he would pretend to be a lawyer and speak in a deep voice, oh my referring God. to himself as Mr. Alcala. Then he would answer questions in his normal voice. Christian vibes. He told a long-winded story about how he couldn't have killed Robin Samso because at the time he was applying for a job at Knott's Berry Farm as a photographer. Oh, it couldn't yeah, possibly Knott's Farm like that. Of course, out of could. there. <laughs> Get out of that. Fuck out of there. It's for rain and shit. Obviously, Rodney was an obnoxious douchebag throughout representing himself. Yeah. The judge even had to pull him aside multiple times to explain legal basics to him. Wow. And the etiquette of being in a courtroom because he was so fucking theatrical. How to embarrass yourself one on one. The earrings belonging to Robin Samson were a huge pain in the ass to his defense because he couldn't possibly explain having them without it being real bad for him. Yeah. So he played a clip of his 1978 appearance on the dating game and said that he was wearing them in the video, which is obviously before he killed Robin Samso, which means that the earrings aren't hers. Do you follow? Yeah. Yeah. So the video is grainy and hard to make out. So mm-hmm. while you can't see that he's definitely wearing earrings, you can't see the earrings either. Yeah. In all honesty, this is because they aren't there. It sounds like baloney. They're, they're not there. It's so Jed Mills, who if you remember was Bachelor Number Two, yeah. spoke to a reporter about this, and Ooh. basically he said that he thought it was bullshit. Yeah. He said that earrings were not socially acceptable on men at the time. Yeah. I so was he would have that. noticed if Ronnie was Does wearing. Does he even them, have piercings? Which he did not. Ma. The trial though, 
people were not fucking about. No. So Tally Shapiro yeah. and Monique Hoyt, two young girls who had previously raped and abused, took to the stand to testify. Tally went to on him. the stand. Tally Shapiro Yay! went on the stand. Oh and Monique God. Hoyt, the fifteen-year-old, yeah. they both stood up. Oh. and fucked him up oh so after all this time they dredged up I'm the so horror proud. that he had committed against them yeah. and the two women that he abused as children stood before him as grown women wow. unafraid to make sure he stayed where he belonged I feel weirdly empowered somehow. I find that I just, so powerful and awe-inspiring um, and as I'm reading yeah. that sentence I'm actually feeling my eyes prickle yeah, because it's so powerful yeah. so once again, I can happily say that Rodney Alcala was sentenced to death. Oh, I love that word <laughs> in this context. In January 2011, oh. Rodney Alcala was indicted for the murders of Cornelia Crilly and Ellen Hover, oh. who we discussed in the first episode from New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He pled guilty and was convicted of the crimes. Oh. In Washington, he was declared an official person of interest in two unsolved murders there. Antoinette Whitaker and Joyce Gaunt. He was also named as a suspect in the murder of Christine Ruth Thornton in Wyoming, a woman who was actually six months pregnant at the time she died. Her photo was part of Rodney's stash, mm. and it's seriously suspected that he was the one who killed her. Yeah. He was also linked to Pamela Jean Lamston, who we again discussed uh, yes. in the first episode. Yes. This last year just gone, in t- uh, 2021, yeah. his name made the news once again. This time, however, it was because he finally fucking died. Oh, he's dead now. He was 77 years old and he died of prison, in prison, in natural... Fucking God damn it. He <laughs> didn't die, he did die off prison in natural causes. He <laughs> died in prison of natural causes. Yeah. Frustratingly, there are many potential victims in his photography portfolio that remain unknown and he took that information to the grave mm-hmm. with him. However, yeah. the police did something really exciting. So, in 2010, they released over 200 photos that they uncovered in Rodney's possession of unidentified women. There were almost 1,000 photos they couldn't release because they were too sexually explicit. Fair enough. But the photos that they did release um, are either fully clothed or they're cropped to exclude any nudity. Yeah, okay. I've included a link in the show notes to these photos, and I urge anyone listening, particularly listeners in America, to have a look over these photos. Mm. Or if you have relatives that are a bit older and would have been partying hard in the 70s and the 60s, show them. Oh, yes. There's always a chance that someone listening might recognise a relative. At least if someone is safe, then a photo can be excluded. Yeah. So these photos, people have already identified themselves in these photos. They've been like, hey, that's fucking me. This creepy guy took my picture, but I'm safe and fine, so you can take that photo off the list. That's happened. Also, a potential murder victim has been Mm -hmm. identified through that. So one of the um, photos has been found, and that was, I think, was it the woman in Wyoming? I think so. I think it was Christine Ruth Thornton. I think she was the first woman to be found who had been killed. And yeah. they found out that she'd been killed by Rodney through identifying through the photographs no. that were released. Because a member of the public recognised her as I'm being a missing person. kept all of these then. Yeah. Well, I mean, they so were in the storage locker. So he was yeah. trying to hide them from people. But at least yeah, we found but it. for himself. Yeah. I really encourage all of you to take a moment to look mm, at the photos. I'm going to put some links down. Mm. Have a look. And that's it. So it really is suspected that Ronnie Alcala has many more victims than the ones that we know about. And with advancements in technology, I really hope that DNA or genealogy might solve some Jane Doe's or unknown cold cases. Mm -hmm. On top of that, this case highlights the dangers of trusting people. So many people have hidden behind cameras to take advantage of people. It's not always serial killers. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's guys just trying to take, like, creep shots. 
but so many people will hide behind cameras to do terrible things to you. Always remember to be careful. In my opinion, it's better to be a little bit paranoid than be a little bit dead. Yes. Be an asshole if you need to be. Mm-hmm. Don't fucking trust anybody. If you think you're overthinking something, you're probably not. When it comes Sometimes to... you can overthink things. Yeah, if it's stuff it, to do with like work or your got family or whatever. Feeling, but I'm listen, talking about yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But like, like trust your intuition. Definitely. If your gut instinct is telling you something, run a fucking mile. Don't try to counter it with, oh, it's it's such a thing, it's fine. Oh, it's fine. probably oh, it's fine. Me, oh, him. it's Yeah, no, oh, God, no, fuck him. that. Fuck him. Leave it. Leave no it. one's worth the risk. Exactly. At Nobody's all. worth it. No. Um, and yeah, that's literally all we've got. If you can hear running around, one of my cats <laughs> is playing with a piece of foil in the background, and I don't have the heart to take her out of the room, because we're nearly done. done. We're basically yeah, done we're, anyway. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're done. Um, but yeah, that's, that's literally it. So that is the first covering that we've done of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. I want to say I hope you enjoyed the story. Obviously, you can't get enjoyment out of a story like this unless no. you're a fucking weirdo. Yes. But I do hope that you enjoyed the way that I told it. Yeah. I hope that you found it enlightening. I hope that you have taken something from it. I hope that you feel inspired by Tali Shapiro and Monique Hoyt. Yes. I hope that you feel careful after hearing about all the ways that Ronnie Alcala tricked people. Yeah, I... Yeah. Yeah, don't hesitate to think twice about someone. Don't fucking hesitate. Because you never know. You never know. And if you see something that looks weird, mm-hmm. fucking tell somebody. Even if it's a friend because, or your Because mom, Dana Crapper, that poor something. 20-year-old firefighter, 20 years old is nothing. It's tiny. At 20 years... When, when I was 20, I didn't know anything compared to now. No. And it's like, she probably regrets not saying anything every day forever yes that will if be you see something that you think is a bit fucking weird just tell someone because it's always better to tell someone and maybe embarrass yourself a little bit if it yeah. turns out to be nothing mm-hmm. than to live with that forever yeah and telling so, people now is so much easier with phones and stuff yeah you can text you can the police you can text the police you can text the police yeah obviously not for fun like don't no. disturb the police but like no. if you see something mm-hmm. fucking weird and you're a bit embarrassed it's always better to just give someone a ring than not yeah but anyway, aside from a lecture, I hope everyone's having a wonderful day. Um, yeah. yeah, if you like true crime, if you like listening to us discuss true crime, mm-hmm. please leave us a rating or a review. Um, I don't want to be one of those people that begs for ratings and reviews, but I kind of mm-hmm. am right now. Um, if you have a case recommendation, <laughs> please send it to us at creepsandcrimestorytime at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We also have an Instagram, which is where I'm going to upload pictures that are relevant to today's case so as you're listening to the story you can look at pictures and see what i'm talking about mm-hmm. and that is on instagram creeps and crime story time um thanks for listening if you have case recommendations send them along if you want to talk to us about crime leave a comment under the case on instagram if you want to talk to us about Rodney on carl and what a piece of shit he is leave us a comment and we will happily discuss with you what a piece of shit he is because we Absolutely. love talking about crime because, I mean, we are literally just two sisters who just decided that we love talking about crime so much. We do. We'll make a fucking podcast. Let's just go I find out it bonkers that people ham. listen to us. Same. Because I just find it crazy that people listen to us, but people do. I mean, a couple yeah. of weeks ago, we hit 5,000 downloads on our little podcast, which I think is really cool. It We're almost crazy. at 6,000 now, and it's not even been, like, two weeks. Yeah. Which I find insane. How did We've got people... That? I can When I look at the analytics, there's people all over the world yeah that listen to us talking about crime and they enjoy it 
and you enjoy it. And they're wi- they willingly I click think on us and that's just listen. Magnificent, and it's really cool. And I always want to hear what you think. Whenever someone like sends us an Instagram message or yeah. leaves a little comment, really I just love thinking that people from all over the world, yeah. we are coming together to share ideas and have discussions about yeah. things that. Mm-hmm horrible things that people do to each other yeah. but i think the more knowledge that we have yeah. the safer we are as a community definitely that's the how i feel we share as well yeah. yeah so anyway i think that's the end kind of, of went off on one but yeah i think that's it um i haven't quite oh yes i have i oh. almost lied to you I, um i have decided what i want us to do next i need to talk to you after i finish this because yeah. i've got a bit of a plan but i've not mentioned sophie yet Ooh, but i do have something Lovely. potentially halloween is coming i have something spooky Ooh. that i want to talk to sophie about well, la la. um the i'll see what week. she thinks and we might go for it we might not but we'll see we'll we see probably will. we probably will um can we record it like midnight no <laughs> I don't stay up till midnight because I'm a granny. Yeah, no, but we can stay up till midnight and then get really scared. I don't want to stay up till midnight. I want to go to bed. Right, then we'll stay up till one. That sounds worse. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Right, okay. We're going to head off. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much, Be guys. careful. Trust your gut. And see you soon. Yeah, see you soon, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.